From savannahnow.com, this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Bremer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today is Tuesday, July the 5th, and this is our first episode back from a summer sabbatical. Here's hoping absence made the heart grow fonder. On this edition of The Commute, Savannah Mayor Van Johnson is our guest. From savannahnow.com, this is The Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Bremer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today is Tuesday, July the 5th, and this is our first episode back from a summer sabbatical. Here's hoping absence made the heart grow fonder. On this edition of The Commute, Savannah Mayor Van Johnson is our guest. But first, a word about our sponsor, National Office Systems. National Office Systems has been the Commute's benefactor since the podcast's start, and they've been in business since the 1980s. In the early days, National Office Systems was the last office outfitter in the country to carry office furniture from both of the industry's leaders, Herman Miller and Knoll. Now, a couple of decades later, those furniture companies are collaborating in a new product line, and National Office Systems is one of the first to offer Miller Knoll furniture. In addition to Miller Knoll, National Office Systems remains the leaders in the office design and outfitting sector, offering dirt modular interiors, OFS furniture, and 200 other product lines. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's my discussion with Savannah Mayor Van Johnson, taped late Tuesday morning at Savannah City Hall. Commute today by Mayor Van Johnson, who earlier today gave his weekly press update. And foremost among the conversation, unfortunately, seems to be a lot lately, was some of the violence, the gun violence in particular that is going on in town. Over the weekend at City Market, we had a couple of teenagers take a shot at each other. Uh, Van, I think you said there was a police officer on the same block. Yep. Um, Obviously, it's summertime. We see a we see a, a rise in this just about every year, but that doesn't excuse it, right? Where where we where do we go on this? How do we get this under control? Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to to be a part. It's been a while, um, and some of the same issues remain. Um, I think that we all agree that you know, we can't police our way out of it. I think that we all agree that. There are too many guns on our street, and I think that we all agree that people who should not have guns have guns. And so um, some of it is legislative, um, some is administrative, and then some of it is is parental. I mean, obviously, uh, for a 15- and 16-year-old to have guns and then be uh, downtown at 11.30 p.m. Um, is very, very concerning. Um, for us, every single day, you know, we are, we're looking at ways of being able to get in between uh, someone's decision to do something criminal uh, and them actually carrying it out. And so um, not only do we employ now the ONES office, which is the Office of Neighborhood Engagement and Safety, uh, we also are encouraging uh, parents, family, loved ones to, to, to be able to help us. Um, you know, there are issues going on all over the place. There are beefs going on all over the place. We have got to stop the beef before it becomes deadly. Settling beefs. 
with guns. I mean, I, I think you and I certainly came from generations where it wasn't unusual to get in a fight and get in an argument. Daily. But it, but it, never, <laughs> but it never entered my mind that I was going to pull a weapon on somebody. Is it a, is it a societal change? Is it Are we just naive? What, uh, what's your take on that? Well, it is a societal change. Um, you know, I finally remember even some of my best friends today um, that when we grew up, we would have these fights. Um, and it was big fights. And the kids would show up in the playground. Everybody's watching the fight. And then the fight is over. And then after a day or two, everybody's cool again. Um, you know, now when that occurs and you have a gun involved or a gun is introduced into the situation, um, you don't have that time for the reconciliation um, of the friendship. And there are two lives and certainly two families who are forever changed by that. And so, you know, ultimately, you know, that's part of what we have to teach in homes. Uh, that's what we have to teach in schools. That's what we have to teach in our houses of worship, um, how to study war no more, how to uh, be, uh, to how to disagree without being violently disagreeable. Mm-hmm. We talked about how the kids are getting, uh, kids and, and young adults are getting their hands on guns, and you kind of helped connect the dots a little bit today in the press conference. You talked about car break-ins, and of course, we could, it'd be interesting to be able to trace exactly the guns used and how many of them came in car uh, car break-ins, which I'm sure we will probably do at some point. But when you look at that, and that, of course, ties to gun legislation and how easy it is to get a gun now, uh, it's just kind of a it's, a, it's almost a death spiral is maybe the best way to put it. It is. And I think that, you know, let, let's take out, I think, and I think, unfortunately, we become so locked in our partisan positions with no one really being able or willing to give, uh, it has placed us into a death spiral. Um, here in Savannah, we've had in the first six months of the year, 110 uh, guns stolen from vehicles. And that's city of Savannah, that doesn't include the county. Only the city of Savannah, 110 weapons stolen. 100 of those 110 were from cars in which were reported as being unlocked. And that's the part I don't get. So if you want a gun for protection and constitutional carry says that you can carry it, why would you leave your gun in your car? Moreover, why would you leave your car unlocked? It defeats the purpose. If you're carrying it for protection, why would you have it in your gun, in your car, um, unattended? Uh, and then beyond that, I mean, everybody knows where you keep the guns. You keep it in the glove compartment. You keep it in the under center the console. Yeah. You keep it under the under the front seat. And so, uh, you know, when people are breaking into these cars, that's what they're breaking into. And we're making it easy for them because at least 100 of the 110 times, they didn't have to break a window or anything. They just opened the door. And so if Savannians would just for the next six months um, just take their weapon lock their doors, you know, if you're going to secure it, secure it in your trunk or or something like that, or don't have one at all, um, maybe we could lessen the opportunities for these guns to be on the streets and then lessen the opportunities uh, for them to be used in illegal ways. You broached last week the idea of a curfew, and I know Mm -hmm. that that was 
pretty controversial in a town that that is very business minded, very tourism minded. You know, you don't wanna, yeah, I'm, I'm controversial. <laughs> you don't want to limit business hours, I guess, is the, the, what it comes down to. I mean, and you mentioned you were asked about it today. You said that that was kind of the the, the policy of last resort. Um, where where does the last resort lie? Where do the boundaries lie for that last resort? Well, I think um, I appreciate answering that question. Uh, you know, although people are concerned with economics, I'm concerned with lives, and so if saving lives in our community uh, means limiting some economic opportunities, then, you know, that's a hard decision that has to be made Um, because ultimately I'm charged with lives. And the fact is, if our downtown and areas across our city are viewed as not being safe, no one's coming down there anyway, which means economics are affected. Um, And so, you know, there are things that we can't control. I can't control the number of guns on the street. I can't control the right of people to to carry. Uh, the state has done that. But we do control the numbers of hours that we are exposed. And so this created an opportunity to talk about, well, if we limit that, then maybe we limit the opportunities for there to be a mass shooting uh, in one of our areas. And so uh, that's kind of my policy of last resort. Um, since then, and I've indicated, um, we've met with our partners and we're talking with them and we're saying, hey, we don't want to have to go to this point. So let's walk back from that point and see the things that we can do. And so um, we've really enjoyed good relationships with our business owners, um, good relationships with our tourism folks. Um, they get fully where where I am because they also understand that that's bad for their business as well and so just like we did with Savannah Safe you know they're working with us and us find things that we can do uh, together and so far uh, so so good we, we uh, came up with some interim recommendations that we implemented uh, this past weekend uh, for the downtown area and save the incident with the two kids who just wanted to shoot up each other um, you know we, we had a good weekend. Hey, um, so lighting in Ellis Square. Um, was there some other things? That- yeah, lighting in Ellis Square. Um, you know, we had our command um, unit uh, present uh, in the downtown area with deploying officers from, from there. Uh, City Market has uh, space there that's designated for the police department, so we utilize that. Um, being able to have businesses to close on a staggering schedule mm-hmm. so that we don't have so many people out at the same time rather than having kind of a, a 2, 2 a.m. dump. So, yeah. You know, some might leave at 1, 1.30, 1.45, so it gives time for people to flow out. We've changed some of the traffic patterns, um, really focus on moving people out of the downtown area rather than moving in after a certain time. So, you know, again, these were great uh, recommendations uh, great opportunities, and so we will. Um, again, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, we're halfway through the summer, so to speak, or, or, and, and so we have to go ahead and uh, just keep maintaining the same vigilance we've been doing. We'll be right back. Pardon the interruption, but I need to do a public service announcement regarding the Savannah Morning News. I know a lot of readers out there consume our news content in the print edition. Thank you. We love you for it. Keep doing it. 
But we'd also like to encourage you to take a moment, go to your computer or cell phone at savannahnow.com. You can activate the digital side of your subscription by logging in through the link at the top right-hand corner of the homepage. And on mobile, you can download our app, log in, and have access, including notifications, to all of our content. Again, access to those platforms are included in your print subscription price. So take advantage today. Now, back to the discussion with Mayor Van Johnson. The thing that happened last week was uh, Roy Minter resigned. I don't think it was too big a surprise to anybody because he was nominated to be in the U.S. Marshal Service. But that's the funny part. I, I mean, everybody was acting like it was like the biggest surprise. I mean, you know, I'm hoping he's going to be the U.S. Marshal. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, my gosh, breaking news. No, I mean, you know, Congress is on a two-week break. Um, they'll come back, um, I believe, next week. There's a three-week work session, and um, we're hoping uh, that Chief Mitchell will will be uh, confirmed. Uh, and understanding that, you have to then work backwards. So, you know, he is a uh, chief of the largest police force in our region, uh, a major city department with, I think, the most employees. And so, you know, we need to be concerned about transition. And so this was a good time. Uh, the city manager and the police chief have been talking about that. Um, I knew that once we returned from Germany, he was going to announce it. Uh, unfortunately, in that interim, as life happens, you know, we had a police-involved shooting uh, as well as a, um, a larger shooting at, um, at City Market. So it kind of complicated things, but, you know, we, we remained on schedule. He leaves the department in a place that things could be better. Um, when you look at where we go from here, obviously law enforcement is not attractive to a lot of people right now just because of some of the things we've been through in the last couple of years. Uh, morale at SPD is, uh, depending on who you talk to, not very good. How, what do you look for uh, and how attractive do you think Savannah is to, to getting what you've termed the, the, the best person available? Well, morale I know from being a law enforcement officer and working um, for law enforcement agencies, ebbs and flows. And you're right, it depends on who you ask. Um, sometimes the morale is contagious or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are dissatisfied with your employment and then I become dissatisfied. And I've, I've told people over the years, if you're not happy, particularly in law enforcement, you need to leave mm-hmm. um, because you get careless, mm-hmm. uh, bad things happen. You're not concentrating. And so um, we recognize that we have the responsibility to provide uh, as supportive a workplace as we can, given the type of work that they do. Um, So I know that we are at a crossroads, as we were um, with with Chief Revenue, with Chief Lumpkin, uh, with Chief Talbert, with Chief Burko, with Chief Lovett. um, And, you know, police departments are. Um, I think Savannah is attractive because we're Savannah. Um, We have a wonderful, awesome city uh, in which people want to come and people want to live. Um, We have a state-of-the-art police force, uh, not only CALEA accredited, which is the Commission of Accreditation of Law Enforcement Agencies, but also uh, Georgia State accredited. Um, So that means we have the bells and whistles of a professional police force. Um, We have 600 men and women uh, who, who come and give their best every single day. 
Um, we have a progressive uh, city uh, with an awesome mayor. I forgot his name, but um, yeah, he, he's pretty decent. Um, <laughs> who understands and values law enforcement and will uh, will support uh, law enforcement. And so, um, particularly with other departments, other folks around the country, talk about defund the police and those types of efforts. So, um, I think you know I've heard from police chiefs already. Um, some directly and then some um, through other folks. Hey, you know, I heard y'all have a vacancy, you know, you know, mm-hmm. want you to let you know I'm interested. So I don't think, just like city manager, that we'll have any uh, lack of people interested in coming. The question is um, to have somebody who will be able to balance the sometimes conflicting demands of internal community building and external community building. Right. And the police chief is a focal point and you have to be able to do both. Um, and it's not easy. Right. The process. Hey, you guys have a big advantage. You said you had law enforcement experience. Uh, Alderman Perti, law enforcement officer. Uh, Alderman uh, Palumbo, former law enforcement officer. Alderman Wilder Bryan. Yeah, yeah. Also, law enforcement. And you've also got some, some very vocal folks who have their own thoughts. Uh, Alderman Keisha Gibson-Carter, very uh, outspoken in what she thinks uh, in terms of law enforcement. But the bottom line is the only person you guys hire and fire is the city manager. This is the city manager. Well, three. City manager, city attorney, city clerk. There you go. Right. And, and again... Police chief isn't one of them. Right. <laughs> and I think that's why it's very, very important. And again, I, I've been around long enough to understand that there is a separation and it's by charter by law, uh, we don't hire the, the police chief. And, and theoretically, we're not supposed to unduly influence okay. the decisions of the city manager on anything. And so although people might be vocal, I think that they need to be careful um, because it, it's difficult for you to tell somebody who to hire and then turn around and hold them responsible if it doesn't work out. And so um, for me, it was important for us to hire a capable city manager because you have to be able to trust the decisions that city manager makes. So uh, now this city manager, Jay Melder, has the opportunity to uh, build out his team and hiring two chief positions, the police chief and the fire chief. Um, I would suspect that he would... Uh, query council members about what our thoughts are Mm -hmm. Uh, use that in his thought process I would hope professionally that you know he would engage a a search firm of some sort um, that we he would utilize an assessment center process which has proven to be very helpful in determining uh, the attributes of of a candidate um, and then create opportunities we did for a final list or final list to, to either uh, be present and be available uh, for examination by the community uh, and then make a decision from there. Right. Um, I think the process is as important as the decision. Um, and so, you know, again, being and doing this for a while, I kind of understand that people have to also trust the, the thoroughness of the process. Right. And then I think they can trust the result of the process. And the timeline is, is end of the year, you mentioned earlier. Although he, we've, we've he, seen timelines, city manager right. <laughs> obviously took an extra, it probably is a good thing it did. Oh, I'm glad it did. an extra 10 months. I'm glad that it did. 
but we're relatively confident that this is going to be yeah. done by the end of the year. Yeah, I think you know it is a difference, Adam, um, that has to be pointed out. The difference is that uh, you had nine people hiring a city manager and one person hiring a chief, right. and so um, I'm confident that he will get us that. Um, you know, obviously, I do not want any of those positions to to go over into 2023. Mm-hmm. I mean. Um, for a variety of reasons, I'm sure that you already understand. Okay. Um, those are not... It becomes political. That's correct. It becomes political, and it doesn't need to be political. So. All right. Very good. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And uh, we look forward to talking again on some more cheery topics. Next well, time. I think, you know, the important thing is, is and, you know, I deal in reality. And the reality is Savannah is a safe city. Um, we have unsafe incidences. We are a safe city. We have some unsafe people. Um, we have great people, and then we have dumb people who do dumb things. Mm-hmm. Um, you take away, we I think we had like 16 homicides this year. In the midst of all that's going on, if you take away the domestic violence incidences and the suicides and the one carryover, we're probably almost eight homicides for the year. Um, you know, when you look at that, when you look at what is involved in it, when you d- dissect these incidences, um, what you see is you have people who have beef with each other, either over woman, money, drugs, or some type of beef. You take those out, we're less than 10 shooting incidents over the course of the year. Um, so again, we, we have a people problem. And so we have to figure out a way to extend grace to each other. We have to figure out a way to be kind to each other. We have to figure out a way not, I mean, there are probably people that I would want to do bodily harm to. The older you get, as I'm sure you are, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones. You know, I mean, you know what? Fine. You want to call me names, call me names. I mean, it's not going to grow another hair on my head. And so we have to take that same wisdom that was passed on to us and, and pass that on to our young people. It takes two people to fight. You don't have to go to every fight you're invited to. It doesn't make you less than a person for walking away. And if some people would walk away, then we would have uh, more of our young people still with us. And so I'm hoping and I'm continuing to preach that. Um, but, you know, we're not going to allow crime or violence to be the narrative of our city. We have too much other good stuff going on. Very good. I know you didn't ask me for all that. But no. No, that's perfect. We'll leave it there. I don't know what I'm going to commute again, so I better, <laughs> I, I, I got to get it all in. <laughs> Thank you for the time. Thank you. That's all for the Tuesday Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. Search The Commute with that Savannah Opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns Thursday when politics reporter Will Peebles talks with the two candidates for the first district congressional seat, incumbent Buddy Carter and challenger Wade Herring. We'll talk to you then. <laughs> <laughs>